0: Through Courageous Conversations, The Third Thing Podcast brings you helpers and healers who started out somewhere else and through life-changing experiences, added something new to their lives, creating a third thing, ushering in a fresh passion to generate healing for themselves and others. I'm Stephanie Shockley, your host, and you're listening to The Third Thing Welcome to another episode of the Third Thing Podcast. Today my guest is Lucy Marshall-White. Lucy and I are on staff together at the estuary, and I consider her to be a valued friend. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Stephanie. How are you today? I'm good. How about you? I'm good. It's good to be here. Thank Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you're here. Um, What we just listened to was um, Tibetan singing bowls. Um, And we'll get back to that in just a minute. I want to tell you a little bit about Lucy. Uh, Lucy graduated from the Vanderbilt School of Nursing in 1972. She worked as a pediatric oncology nurse for 12 years at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. Lucy was the school nurse at University School of Nashville for six years. She worked in the pediatric emergency room as a nurse for nine years at the Monroe Carroll Junior Children's Hospital. She began the study of energy healing modalities in 2006. She became a Reiki practitioner in 2008 with Reiki master, Allison Ledbetter. Introduced to Tibetan bowl sound healings by Karin Engel in 2009. Completed four levels of Healing Touch, a nursing-based program in 2011, She graduated from the Estuary School of Healing Arts seven-year program in 2012 and is currently a teacher in Kabbalah classes with Susan Austin Crumpton. She completed the introductory course in advanced level one and two at the Benton Bowl Sound Healing School in California in
1: 2015. That's right. That's pretty impressive, (laughs) Lacey. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and, it is, and
1: it's Bonnie Johnson who is my healing touch instructor so just to let people know that too and yeah. she and she's local great um Lucy and I um,
0: before we were on staff together at the estuary we had an interesting meeting um, I was trying to figure out kind of what to do with my life and walked into the estuary and it was it's not where it is today it was in a house over on when was it? 19th yeah 19th um and you walked in the back door and walked down a long hall to the lobby and i walked in and i had never been in this place before and i sat on this uh sofa um and waited i was having a meeting with susan austin crumpton to see about the school starting the school of healing arts and I guess I was
1: sitting there, and Lucy turned the corner, and what happened? Um, I, I introduced myself and asked if I could help you, because I was volunteering at the time. And then I s- sat down and we started talking, and found out that we had some common, um, I wouldn't say experiences, because your experiences were different than mine. but having been an oncology nurse in pediatrics when you realized that then you went on to tell your story as far as pediatric oncology and my story was that my son is a cancer
0: survivor and had been through the pediatric oncology department at Vanderbilt from 1996 and then he was treated for like three and a half years and it was you know i remember i cried a lot and it was it, it and i kind of knew i was in i was where i was supposed to be mm-hmm. and every time well not every time but often when i would walk into the estuary especially there it, it was like mm-hmm. being calm you, you know so a lot of a lot of <laughs> a lot of crying but i think our meeting kind of <laughs> was the beginning of this is the place i'm supposed to be mm-hmm. it was just like Everything lined up. So I, I just, I've always held that story and our meeting very close in the, in the beginning. That was my very first
1: experience at the estuary. Yeah. So thank well, you, Lucy. Well, you're welcome. And it's pouring outside right now, so that goes right along with the crying. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, big storm coming. Um, so I kind of
0: want to start with. kind of uh, a spiritual connection and where where do you draw your strength when well when things are when struggles happen or when things are good who do you thank or I don't know where where do you make a spiritual connection and what does that
1: look like well my sp- spiritual awareness and connection has grown significantly just being part of the estuary through all that we learn at the estuary through the different healing modalities that we learn here and particularly Kabbalah so that really opened up my spiritual consciousness and led me into understanding my religious background in more depth and, and other phil- philosophical backgrounds that we learned here and I've learned elsewhere. So I personally look toward my faith when I'm struggling. Um, and with that, toward, with my family and friends And I continue therapy on a regular basis, psychotherapy, and also energetic therapy with different modalities, um, healing touch and baric healing, and and then I also do cranial sacral therapy. Um, So I take really good care of myself on a weekly basis. Um, You do? I do, And, and, and as I think we'll, talk in more depth later It by taking care of myself it creates for me a clearer vessel so that I can be present with others in a healing situation
0: and I think what you said is similar to what I experience I think as far as my faith uh, that these other things I've done and have enhanced and enriched my faith Mm -hmm. they've helped me understand it really better than and I've had some other experiences um 12-step programs have helped me with that too along with a lot of the things that that you've experienced but I think that's that's interesting because I think it's scary to some people it, it's like if you have a faith-based or if you're, um, I think a lot of Christians have a hard time opening up to these, what we call, air quotes, woo-woo, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> ideas and philosophies. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree with that. And and just the whole energetic piece of healing that we have both learned in depth Um for me, that doesn't go with Western medicine per se, at least it didn't in my era of growing up as a Western nurse. And now I've come to realize how understanding energy healing is such a part of the art of nursing. And learning to really be present in a different way spiritually and Physically, emotionally, and mentally with someone else and how to hold that space in a very healing way for their own self-healing.
0: So how did you how did you come to that? Like how did you uh, like how did you find the estuary? Or was that the first did you do something before that
1: or was that actually my daughter my youngest daughter, Heather, was also a pediatric oncology nurse, as was my oldest daughter. So the three of us both were, I mean the three of us were pediatric oncology nurses at different times. But Heather was really struggling as a bone marrow transplant nurse because so many of her patients were dying. And then my mom died. And so she realized that I could die And she was actually doing eulogies for some of the pediatric oncology patients. Uh, And so in her search for the spirituality part of it, and also how to help patients with their pain, because she realized that, now that was in the early 2000s, that we weren't and didn't have the pain medicines that we needed for children and that there had to be some other way that we could help children and their families with the pain of diagnosis of cancer. So she talked to the chaplain at Vanderbilt and then went to Gilda's Club to talk to them. And in that process, she also went to employee assistance at Vanderbilt. And they sent her to the estuary for further counseling. Really? Yes. Yes. And so, because she was having a difficult time dealing with death and how, and her own spirituality and just being 23 years old. And the estuary was pretty new then. The estuary, it, uh, I think it, start, it started on Portland Avenue, and I think it probably maybe 10 years before that. I'm not well, sure and it's not it
0: such, so, and, and we're not so traditional here, so right.
1: I found that interesting that Vanderbilt
0: sent her.
1: Right. Well, they, one of the therapists at, at Van, Vanderbilt, knew, mm-hmm. had worked some at the estuary, and so that's why they sent her to the estuary. So she came here, and somehow my name kept coming up in her therapy sessions. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about their mother why? at a therapy session. <laughs> they never do that. <laughs> so her therapist said, would your mom be willing to come in with you? And of course I said, yes, anything for my daughter. And I came and started therapy. And in that process, Heather was also seeing the Reiki, our Reiki practitioner. And she asked if I would come in. I said, what are you telling them? (laughs) And so I said, I'm not doing Reiki. That is woo-woo. I don't... I'm a Western nurse. I'm not doing that. And so she kept after me. She goes, Mom, just try it. I said, okay. I'll go in because my hip hurts. And the rest is history because I haven't stopped. And... Then Heather was referred to the actual school of healing, school of arts at the estuary from her therapist here at the estuary. And I thought, well, if you get to do that, why don't I get to do that? And so I asked if I could do it. And our therapist said yes. And you, you, you all were not in the same class. Were you? No, we were not in the same class. We're not allowed to be in the same class. And then Heather said, Mom. You've got to take Healing Touch before you do anything else. We had already taken Level 1 and 2 of Reiki together. She said, but you... And she had gone ahead and taken Healing Touch. And I said, okay, I'll take Healing Touch. She said, you cannot start the School of Healing Arts until you do that. And because it was a nursing-based program. And And
0: that is... a Yeah, and and as you're telling me this, I I think maybe we need to just go into a little bit the difference between... Healing Touch, Reiki, Mickey. and Auric Healing. Because yeah. these are three
1: There's, the way, different
0: but similar.
1: Yes. Yeah, The way my teachers have explained it to me early mm-hmm. in my career is that it's just three different ways to get to the same place. Mm-hmm. The way I explain it, it's three different recipes for the same chocolate cake. They all taste about the same, but the icing's just a little bit different. I like that. Um, because I know Reiki
0: is ancient but the training is fairly quick. I mean, you know, it's it, it's not you can do it on a weekend. Yeah, it's not a it's not a three it's year intensive. It's <laughs> not it's not like what we do here with the auric healing that's three years. Now to say that our training and the auric healing is a little different than the current training here at the school. It's been, it's been a lot of changed. Yeah. We did a lot of personal work and ours, which I don't think happens to, to today as, yeah. as much. It was a much more intense program. I don't know really honestly how we
1: got through it. It was it, a lot of work. It was a lot it of work. It was a lot of personal work. Yeah. Um, and then Healing Touch mm-hmm. is a little... And Healing Touch is a very stringent nursing based curriculum so it meets all the nursing because it's used in in a clinical setting right and the benefit for me the extra benefit for me of Healing Touch is that because I'm a nurse and I'm a Healing Touch still an apprentice I never completed it um, I can keep my nursing license current with my discipline being energetic healing. So that keeps my nursing license active. So that's an extra benefit for me as a licensed nurse. Yes. Doing, that's so awesome. I can I can listen to people with my nursing hat on and my healing practitioner hat on at the same time.
0: You know, there was something you said about Heather wanting to help her patients and I remember when my son was diagnosed and I mean one of the first things that um, the head of oncology then was uh, Jim Whitlock and he said, he said, I, I can I, I do this medical piece, but you need a lot more than that and, and I can't offer it and, it and it doesn't exist here. but I would highly recommend you go find it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's you know cutting edge, for Heather to see that maybe, you know, all those fit together and that she was wanting to help mm-hmm. patients. And I, I know what Dr. Whitlock, he could not have done any more than he did. And the nurses are very different than the doctors, right? That's a, yeah. That's yeah. a whole nother podcast. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But what they... Well, you know, they see really the patient
1: the, for, for 12 hours. Right. So it's a, just, just a different... Exact Involvement with the family and with the patient.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, so did that explain?
0: Yes, that was... So... So what brought you to the... So what got you... So how did you transition into the singing bowls, or what did you do with all of these... Other modalities? These energy modalities that you had.
1: Well, I was at the estuary for a open house, to help with the open house. Because you volunteered a lot. I, I volunteered a lot. And, and Karen Engel, who's an artist, and also had studied Kabbalah, not at the estuary, but because she's Jewish and was very interested in understanding what Kabbalah is, and we'll get into what that means in Yeah, a we need to talk about that. But she was there with their exhibit of Hebrew blessings that she had painted. She had written in Hebrew and painted around those blessings. And so I met her in the kitchen during the... Open house. Open house. And then she had put a flyer up on the refrigerator of restorative yoga, and that caught my eye. And so I went to her restorative yoga class, and in those classes, she used the singing bowls, played them, and then also put them on us. And I was infatuated with the sound and the vibration of the bowls. And so I very... Um, timidly asked her if I could strike one of the bowls, and she had offered any time we wanted to strike them or sing them that we could, but I was shy. But I finally got up the courage to ask her, and once I did, I was, I was hooked. And so, she taught me how to sing them and play them, and then I received individual healings from her, where. The bowl, she placed the bowls on my body, and the resonance and the vibration of those bowls just made me open up and sing in a different way. And I don't mean vocally singing, I just meant my cells were harmonizing and realigning, and I was becoming even more aware of spiritual growth and emotional growth and challenges. It was a deeper healing. Much, yes. So, I that's why, as a nurse though, I needed to study more. I wanted the scientific part as much as I could get it, and I wanted as much didactic information. So I went online and found the school in California, and went out there twice, and then came back and did healing after healing after healing, and submitted all the healings back. And It was a very stringent program, and then i started you know having my friends be the recipients of the healings and in the, but in doing the tibetan singing bowl healings i incorporate reiki and Auric healing and healing touch because once you've done those healing modalities it's for me it's just well, a part it becomes of your second energetic, nature, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. It's it's part of your energetic body.
0: Well, and I think there's something really interesting that you said there's there's a this is science.
1: It is. It's not quant, quantum it's quantum physics. Right. And, and I don't understand energy. any of that. Right. I'm
0: not I'm not a scientist at all. So everything around energy that I've learned is um is kinetic. It's mm-hmm. it's. I, I don't understand any of it. I think it's Susan is a scientist too. I mean, she ran a chemical company. I just right. think this is fascinating. So you understand the other part. I don't understand that piece. But I think that that shows that this it, it's not woo woo at all.
1: No, right? it's not. Once I I could accept that I truly am an energetic body. I mean. Our bodies are like little batteries. It's all positive and negative charges. And they're constantly shifting. And we have energy within our bodies. Our heart's just an electrical beater. And, and every cell is electrical because it has positive and negative charges. So it's constantly realigning and getting in harmony and making it so that we can move. Um, but all around us is energy. That was the hardest part for me to really come to grips with. That there's an energy field around us. And it senses things also. And so once I opened up that we do sense. We sense when somebody walks in the room. And well, and we all know that. We don't yeah. know we know that. Yeah, we don't know. And we don't Until explain. somebody shows you
0: and then you can feel it.
1: Yeah, and until you learn how to feel it. And be cognitively aware, aware. Then, once you're aware of it, you realize when you walk in a room and, and you feel like you want to walk back out of the room, it's the energy fields of somebody else that you're bumping up against. It's not that you don't want to be with that person, it's just your energy. Either are or aren't getting along. Exactly. So it's, it's really cool stuff. It is really cool stuff. And, it, and just opening up the awareness of, you know, to see a plant and know that there's energy from that plant and that it has been proven scientifically when we talk to plants or talk to a petri dish. I don't see, cultures. I'm starting to giggle myself, yeah. but it's true. <laughs> it's true. You know, we do make a difference in our attitude towards something and it's picked up energetically. Even, you know,
0: that's what crystals, I mean, mm-hmm. people are kind of, can recoil a little bit about crystals, but they have energy, they're from the earth, I mean, anything that's from the
1: that, yeah, if we think of the deep in the earth, it's, it's full of energy, it's right? It's full of energy, but, you know, when we pick up a rock outside, I, I never thought of that as, it's an energy body, mm-hmm. it's matter, mm-hmm. and then to think that, and we can change matter, and we can change matter, and matter, Particles can be in two places at the same time as part of quantum physics. I know, that blows my mind. Yeah, that kind of, you know. So there is a lot that we don't understand, but once, once I personally started to open up to it's not all concrete, and it's not all what I can see and feel and touch, there's a whole lot more to this world that we all live in and And that opened me up even more spiritually, and then also religiously.
0: So tell me about, how do the singing bowls work? How, how, just tell us about them, and how you heal with them, and... Well, the ancient Tibetan singing bowls were made... And let everybody know, if they don't know what a... A bowl. These bowls... We see them all, we may not know they're Tibetan singing bowls, but if we see a boot, you know, I think about if I watch somebody in a Buddhist meditation, they usually start, it's it's a, is that, are it's they a, brass? Or are, well, they're it actually,
1: it's, it, they look brass, but they're made out of seven different alloys and okay. from the Himalayan mountains. Okay. And it depends on where the monks were within the Himalayan mountains as to, the composite of the bowls. They made the bowls centuries ago, the ancient ones, during prayer for spiritual and physical healing. So depending on the properties of the bowl, meaning the size and shape and the sound of the bowls, you use them for spiritual healing primarily and secondarily physical and vice versa. So that's what I got to study in California it's how those bowls and how you use them in a sacred geometrical pattern and understanding Buddhism as in relationship to the bowls um, and that goes hand in hand with the sacred geometrical pattern and the sound of the bowls and the vibration of the bowls are received by our body cells in a very deep way because our bodies are as an adult are 70% water so sound and vibration go to our cells quickly and deeply so when we ring a bowl and even with any other kind of music or any kind of sound affects our cells and so that's why depending on our moods we might listen to hymns or we might listen to rap You know, it depends on your emotional state at the time, what type of sound you want to hear, what feels good. The singing bowls take us to a very earthy tone, a primal tone, the om, and that's where the deep healing really occurs with the bowls. So, can you talk just a
0: minute about vibrations? I mean low vibrations, vibrations versus, versus high, high
1: vibrations, and well, depending on the intention that I set, or the client sets. Together we set it. Um, I'll play in bowls in different the, the vibration of the bowl, or the sound of the bowls, um, differently. So if somebody has <coughs> it is feels very anxious, I'll play the bowls in one way. If they feel depressed, I'll play them in another way. If they're complaining of a physical pain, I'll do it in another way. So I set the intention for a self-healing because as I play the bowls, the vibration of the bowls goes deep into the cells and invites the cells to be in harmony with one another and realign in their own natural way I'm not doing that, the client's not really doing that, we're just in setting that intention and then letting it go, the intention. So it's not up to either one of us what the outcome is going to be. because healing looks different, it's not a cure, it's a healing and that could be it's increased pain because the healing needs to be that the client goes on to a physician or a nurse practitioner or whatever for assessment of that pain, and the pain, so it may need to be intense to wake the client up, that they need some other modality to go along with any healing energy modality. But to answer your question, I got off the subject, is the vibration, You know, when you see a ripple in a body of water, you can see that ripple just keep on going, and it's all that energy interconnecting, within our body, so you just envision a cell and you drop a little pebble right in it and the fluid within that cell just begins to ripple and the bowls help that ripple and the healing process and the realigning and the harmonizing of the cell.
0: And do higher vibrations mean something and lower vibrations mean, or are they connected? You always kind of thought a higher vibration was... was... Well,
1: well i and for the way I, and i'm not sure this is just my personal take on that i do a higher vibration when i feel drawn to bring in energy spiritually right i feel
0: like a higher vibration is more spiritually yeah. so connected like this, or or or
1: right so if i feel that i either i need the spiritual to come in for me mm-hmm. to bring that light of my higher power, I refer to as God. If I feel like I need that, or if I feel like the client has said something, or I'm into it, that they would appreciate that, or it's just I'm guided somehow. I don't quite understand all that. But I'll, this is a high bowl. So for me, I can feel the opening of my crown chakra. Mm-hmm and it lets the light in for me. And whereas this bowl will ground me and I can feel my energy going into the earth and I can invite the client's energy to go into the earth for their own self-healing. So this would be the low bowl. I feel that. Yeah. I I felt both of us. Yeah. And then if I wanted to do Something for the middle of our body, because as we'll talk about in probably in a few minutes, you know, it's the middle of our body that holds so much of our emotions. And to let the light of God come through, we've got to work on the, the emotional part of our body, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, it's all connected. But so this would be correlate to the sacral um, chakra. So one of the questions I am asked frequently is, how do I know what bowl to sing? And I learned from my teacher in California, patterns, different um, patterns of triad, way to sing the bowls and to ring the bowls. To ring a bowl is, is just to strike it with a mallet, and singing a bowl is when you go around the outside of the bowl, and that's to sing it. So I would do that in different patterns, um, depending on what I'm drawn to do. That's, once I learned all the different techniques, then I intuitively um, play them in a pattern.
0: So if I, I, I come to you as a client to have a healing,
1: tell me what tell me what you would do. Well, first, I would ground myself. so a healing, I have to be grounded to create an environment for your own self-healing. And then and that's why we do this, I mean, that's an, that's
0: a very important thing you've said, because that's why we that's one of the reasons why we studied so hard in auric healing. Because to be a good healer, we have to be working on our own, healing, <laughs> and we have to be grounded. So we have to we have to know a lot about ourselves and have awareness about ourselves to to be able to help other people,
1: right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we have to be as you know, be in touch with our own ego, and know what's our stuff versus so that we don't project our, our stuff, stuff on onto it. our clients. And so, as you know. We work really, really hard on our own stuff and are taught that the clearer our vessel is, the more present we can be with somebody else. So it's creating, if I am grounded myself, then I can be that much more present with another client. And you can hear and feel what's going on with a right. client. Right. Um, and so I, I do that in preparation. And then... What's different from all the other modalities, the Reiki, the Auric, and the um, Healing Touch, for the Tibetan bowls, I then play a Ting Shaw, which is the circular discs that are tied together with usually a leather piece of mm-hmm. strap. Yes,
0: and I can I see that. And a lot
1: of yoga classes, the teachers will use that. So that, for me, starts the healing. So it's a Buddhist way of playing the ting shawls. And the first ring is for community. And when I'm with a client, I'm in community with that client. And then the second is for trust. So it's to trust my higher power, myself and the client that this healing is for their highest good. And then the third is for compassion for the client, myself. and whatever's going to come up, and whatever's not going to come up, it, you know, it's compassion and the trust. So the it trust makes is a big of,
0: but, When you're telling this, um, what whenever two
1: more gather, right? Then there's God, not, and, and there's the yeah. There's the third thing. And There's the third thing, which <laughs> is the Kabbalah piece
0: of all of this too. Which we'll get to, because I really want to get to Kabbalah. So you're placing, because I don't think, I mean, you said this, but you're placing the bowls on
1: people. people. Around them and on them. So I will place... So they're on a massage table. fully dressed. Mm -hmm. And then I will, I do those, the ting shawl, and then I do what's called a ganta bell, and that is also, that represents the feminine part of us. And with that is the the masculine part, which is a non-musical instrument. It looks like the infinity sign, and in the middle is a, a round circle that represents oneness. So those two go hand in hand. So I'll put the dorje, which is the masculine representative, and ring the ganta in my left hand over the patient and that helps with clearing, it also helps to awaken the cells to release anything and then I'll put bowls on them and so I'll put a bowl on the chakras, the root that's between our legs, I put it between the knees and, and then on the sacral which is our pelvic area and our middle which is the solar plexus where most of our emotions are held.
0: The emotions and and around that, the relationships and, you know, where all the good stuff
1: happens. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then one on the heart and then two by, one by each ear. And then I have bowls that are on a smaller table behind them. For the crown. For the crown, but also there are three larger bowls and I didn't bring one of those here, but I play them. All the bowls help with what we call entrainment of the cells. It gets them back to their, invites them to come back to their normal, healthy, harmonic state. The three bowls at the top of the head, I play those to help with the whole body remembering either the release of the energy that they no longer need for their highest good or the receiving of energy that they need for their highest good. And so I will bring those in a certain pattern. Well, yeah. I mean,
0: it's just so cool. I mean, well, it's, it's, just is. So, it's it's so awesome. I don't even know what to say other than I'm just fascinated by it.
1: Well, and they, they are such a musical, spiritual gift that I've received. And what they have done for me as a practitioner is give me a modality that that I love, and I love the sound of them, but it also takes me to a different place where I can be grounded in a way and fully connect as possible on a given day with myself and God and with my client because I get a healing. You get a healing as a practitioner with any of the healing modalities, but this one, no pun intended, resonates with me what yes Yes.
0: and i I had a client ask me the other day or tell me so do you realize what you do every day Mm -hmm. and i was like maybe maybe not i don't think about that but i said what you don't understand is what i'm receiving Mm yeah yeah when we we, give we receive oh man i mean you know it's yeah, somebody's sitting in front of me and they're paying me and somebody's coming to you and there's an exchange there, right? Right. Um, But we're two human beings having an experience together, you you know, and and I think that's very powerful.
1: It is. Just the two of us sitting here. Right. And And sharing with whoever happens to be listening. (laughs) Which maybe somebody will listen. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... So, where should we go from here? I'm, you are a Kabbalist. Uh, you study Kabbalah. And I think that's a big piece for you. I know it's become a big piece of my life. And that's mm-hmm. the second half of the School of Healing Art. Um, but I know that all fits in with your bowls and so yeah. how would we
1: how would we begin to explain Kabbalah? And... Well, I think for what we do here, I would say Kabbalah, Kabbalah means the, the mean receiving to receive, God? to receive God, but it's also an old very old tradition and it was taught by only by rabbis therefore only men who had to be 40 who had to be married and who had to have children oh okay and needless to say we don't meet that criteria so <laughs> other well, than I, I am older than 40 so and, and i do have children and, and i was do. married <laughs> and i was married <laughs> there was. we're just <laughs> not jewish we sh- and we're not males. And we're not rabbis. Right. But I am very grateful for them allowing us to to learn how to do what we call Kabbalistic healings. So we take that knowledge of Kabbalah, the mysticism, the ancient mysticism that our Hebrew brothers have taught us orally and then we through understanding what Susan Crumpton has been teaching us, hold that receiving of God in a way that we can be with another and invite them to have a healing of receiving God in the way in which it's meant to be for them. So we meet the client where they are, but we have to have done all of our work and continue our work because it's a constant learning process. So it's understanding the tree of life in the Hebrew tradition tradition, and understanding the different points of light within our tree of life and it's very very complicated and each point represents different qualities and those points start from a way above our head, down to our crown, to our ears, to our shoulders, to our heart, to our hips, and to our groin, and then down to our feet. And it's bringing, learning to bring the light of God through us after having worked with our really messy middle, because if we don't work with that, we can't, the light of God won't get through. It's very difficult to get that light of god down into our everyday life and you can't do it 24/7 you can only do it in little teeny bits it's just being aware that it is there and if the more aware we are we can bring that consciousness into our being and into our life and into being with another
0: because we're human we're separated
1: from yeah you. yeah and so it's learning to reconnect
0: and the and the tree is well, it actually has more points, I think. But it just generally it has, we'll say it has ten points, but it has more. Yeah. <laughs> ten main points. Ten main and points. And they are mm-hmm. points of light. And right. so we, as we receive God, they light up. And I guess in a layman's terms, that's how we would be
1: healthier. Right. <laughs> I mean, and And or to light that, that's, that's not the word, but... Well, how we would be more in consciousness with our spiritual I would say and to turn that light on the tree of life that's the trick of learning how to do that and that's by holding the felt opposites and allowing what we call dynamic tension to create and That's really, really difficult to learn how to do. And so it takes a lot of studying to be able to figure out how to hold that, at least for me, um, how to hold in my right hand what feels like an on-and-on process because that's our masculine side regardless of our gender and our left side being the feminine side and that's where we hold what is mine. And to try to bring that into dynamic tension, not into balance, but into tension. It's like holding a rope that's not really taut. It's not a loop. It's not hanging down. It's oops. It's just held in tension.
0: So give me an example. I knew you were going to ask that, Stephanie. Well, we have to because it, I don't think it makes sense unless you unless you give an example. I mean, we can. You know, I'll, I'll give an example. I mean, you know, like I, I struggle with um, a lot of grief mm-hmm. from, a, from a recent death. So, um, and, and that's what I love about Kabbalah. has taught me no buts, only ands. Right. And that's what that is, I think, is that we've got this and this, not, not, not one or the other. The but is the one or the other, and, and Kabbalah is everything, right? I mean, So I, sh- I ha- have a lot of moments of grief and sadness, as well as I can find joy. And so I can hold those right. Is that what we're? And in between those
1: is the. Or, or is that not the way to put that? The way I look at it, and I hope Susan would, um, <laughs> this is Proof. what I learned, would approve. <laughs> it's um, figure when I'm, like if you had come to me and said I am really experiencing a lot of grief. Mm-hmm. I would ask you to say, tell me more, and, and I would get a sense of, is that grief coming from the on and on of your masculine side, or is it coming on, this is mine, and is it mine in excess, and on and on in excess, or is there too little of mine, or is there too little of allowing my grief? So I would sense what that feels like. Oh, I'm rolling
0: because I can't decide for myself yeah. which one it is. It feels like it goes on and on because it feels heavy.
1: But I, Well, and so then I would and so we would work at that together and so I would hold that in my Kabbalistic energetic way and then add the second thing, which would be what's in the feminine side um, and that would be you know, in part of my feminine way, it's what I, the intuitiveness of what I'm feeling, and then we we would talk, and I would say, well, does joy sound like what's on, that could be added to that, or is there another word? And then you may come up with something. So it's engaging, the client. Right now, it. I'm feeling gratitude when we talk about that. Okay. Well, so which is it's, making me even teary. Yeah. yeah. So we would, so I would hold that gratitude and then when I was doing the Kabbalistic healing, if, in, for my practice, you would get on the table and I would hold those two things and then figure out which Kabbalistic healing I wanted to, to, to do. And then as if I'm, when I'm doing it, if it doesn't feel right, I can change my mind. The beautiful thing about Kabbalah and all the energy work, there's not a right or wrong. It's just being present and if, I can and
0: if we find that that doesn't feel right, we can switch yeah. it up or and we don't have to know what that third thing is. Well, and, and that's the waiting, right? That's the waiting. We wait for the and, and here we go. here's what the here's kind of what the third thing mm-hmm. thing is. We hold
1: those dynamic tension and we wait. Mm-hmm. And for me, something I came up with, early in my studies that really helped me is that WAIT, W-A-I-T, means willingly assess, intuitively trusting. Mm-hmm. I like acronyms and that's, so, and so when we intuitively trust and that I take it further and, you know, in the, in the God within me um, and within you, because I'm meeting you as a client where you are. And maybe sometimes that, that God may be a
0: hard word for some people. Right. Divine, and it was for us maybe.
1: Yeah. Or right. nature.
0: It, or nature.
1: Right. Whatever it it is. Yeah. And that's the one thing that Jason Shulman, who was Susan's teacher, he's in New Jersey and has a school of his own, Kabbalistic Healing and
0: I don't know if we said Susan Austin Crumpton is the director of that. Right, that's right. So yeah. she's the director, director of the and School the te- of Arts and our
1: teacher. So yeah, yeah. Um, What what he says in one of his books is that Kabbalah is for everyone. Spiritual, non spiritual, religious, non religious doesn't re- and it doesn't. You can be atheist, agnostic, and any from any religious background, it's all about receiving your higher power, whatever that may be. It may be nature. It can be anything. But it's how to receive that and become more human. And I, that tension,
0: it, it because I think it's so relevant right now with um, what's going on in the world, and say the world, it's... United States of America, let's just, I mean, because it's just, um, I, f- I feel like in conversations with people, and just it's like everything has to be one way or the other way. I feel a little bit you're either with us or against us, or I, I, can you speak to that a little bit? To the, you, because that's something I've really learned in Kabbalah that it's not this or that it's everything yeah. and I mean it it shows up I mean it shows up in the uh, it shows up in the Bible it shows up well it just shows up everywhere I mean there's right. light shows you can't up have light without dark mm-hmm. you, you you there's that contrast you can't something wouldn't you couldn't have something being good if it wasn't Bad. I mean, so can you talk about that a little
1: bit? Well, I think in in my religious background and in Kabbalah they go hand in hand, and in the Buddhist world and and other philosophies. I can't speak to a lot of others. I can speak to the one the ones that we've referred to today. A little bit. I still feel very much a a novice at all of this, but. Within the dark, there's light, and vice versa. And the one thing we learned in Kabbalah is that of the shatterings, that we have to have shatterings, which are, thank you, which are, are like what are happening in our country right now and in the world. Those shatterings are, well, and it's something
0: falling apart, apart and it leaves
1: the opportunity for
0: something new to be created. So really. Saying that, for let's just say we're going to talk about our country, this could be a really exciting
1: time. Right. I mean, we've got to hold what, what we sense is not what we want, and we've got to hold what, and we can hold what we do want, and then wait for the third thing, and neither one's right or wrong. And that's part of what because we, it's not the middle. No. Because you know
0: when you're holding, sometimes it sounds like the mi- it's, it's it's not, not the, the middle. middle.
1: It's the container, and it's what's in that container. And like when we have a shattering, it shatters that container, and then every and I have never thought about this, but it shatters all the contents of that container, and then it gets all mixed up. And what and we then then refer it, then to as again. right? And, and that light shines in, and the darkness shines in, and then we create something else. I mean, that makes it not so scary, right? Right if if we can trust that this process that our country's going through right now is necessary
0: and it's a lot of trusting the unknown
1: yeah oh yeah
0: right yeah i mean that's really what it what it what it is because i think we yeah we we think we know a lot and i mean you know we think we know what's going to happen because of our past experiences or whatever met fear um but trusting that piece that new things are created and we don't know what they, we don't know what they look like.
1: Well, and when you say fear, I mean it's recognizing that there is fear. And what can we add to that fear?
0: Yeah, because fear's yeah. not
1: fear's not, not bad. Quote air quotes bad.
0: Um, is part of what is.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, I have to accept that as part of who I am and what I do and, and and it's what we do with the fear what we allow it to do to us and and how we can let it guide us it can be it can be a saving a saving thing but it can also immobilize us so depending on how we are reacting to it whether we are being energized by the fear to move forward or whether we are being immobilized we would add different things
0: and the um the non-duality, oh,
1: non-duality
0: is a big part of Kabbalah. Right.
1: It's not this or that. It, it, it's, it's, it's when we can, the way I understand it, when we can allow the light of God to come all the way through our lives, our, our human being, and then into our lives, and then back up through us, that lights us up and then we can be one with God. Now, I think that takes a lifetime. But the more we practice it, the more we get a little smidgen of it to allow our human light to shine forward.
0: And the human peace is not perfect. No. So, I mean, we have, I think, part of the study is, is that we, we we have to be okay with the fear and the not not just the things we consider good but the things we consider bad. And those are not words we use in Kabbalah, but we have to use some kind of words because we have to have an understanding.
1: Right. So we have to have a language. But it's not a linear it's not, understanding, it's an experiential understanding. And that's what's really hard because we have to learn it linear linearly yeah that's the
0: way we learn I mean yes. that's
1: the that's but it's it's so much more than that
0: um it's a lifetime of study definitely. and once you get hooked like we are because we're sitting here we're so excited about <laughs> what we're talking about
1: we're just like this is great it
0: is. um but it, it's it's because we've been in
1: class together for 10 years yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So is there anything else? I want you to play the balls for us. But is there anything else you think?
1: No, I just... You know, this has been such a wonderful opportunity because it heightens my curiosity as we sit here and share. And I love that. And it just makes me want to go forward and, and open up my books and read more and talk more and share more
0: I know once you kind of start down this road
1: you can't go back and I and there have been times I would have rather gone back
0: and there are times that <laughs> I, when you get the messy middle. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go back but there are times where I didn't know I was doing what I was doing I do know that and then I got answers to that. It was just a call. It was just, you need to do this. Yeah. Or I'm the desire never... to do it, but, but don't know why I'm doing yeah. it. And and really being, I trusted that, and I didn't know that I was trusting that. Mm-hmm. That I, I really did not know why I signed up for the School of Healing Arts. I mean, I could not give you a definite, because I want this, because I want to be this, because I want to do this, or... You know, but I ended up being able to use it in my life in a very powerful way, and I hope
1: I can continue to be able to use it. Yeah. I what I meant is when I started therapy, I would have liked to have gone back to that innocent self at times. Oh <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. But as far as doing healings and and incorporating the Tibetan bowls and my healing practice, I don't, I don't ever want to go back to that. I don't these bowls and all of that I've learned is just precious gifts. So if, if you want to
0: have a healing, (laughs) you can reach Lucy at the estuary on our website, theestuary.org. I can find you and learn more about all of us, all that we, all all that we do here. here. I mean, we have not only is Lucy here, but we have a lot of practitioners that do a lot of different Different things. We have yep. life coaches and licensed professional counselors and social workers and nutritionists and um, we have a lot going on here. Yep. We have a school. We have the School of Healing Arts. We have classes and workshops. So um, look us up. I mm. want to just. I'll just let you play, and take, take us out. out. Okay. Thank you, Lucy.
1: Thank you, Stephanie.
0: This project would not be possible without the help of my son, Addison Armstead, who composed the intro and outro music, my son-in-law, Scott Greer, for the logo he designed, and my friend, Amy Christiansen, who wrote and edited various texts to the show. Lastly, I want to thank you, the listener, for whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am.